Hi, and welcome to the very first episode of Feed the Q. I'm Lauren Passell. I'm the editor of two podcast newsletters, Podcast the Newsletter and Podcast Marketing Magic. And I'm the founder of Tink Media, a podcast growth company. And I'm Adela Mizrachi. I'm the founder of Podcast Brunch Club. So PBC is like book club for podcasts, and we have chapters all over the world where listeners gather to discuss the amazing shows they're listening to. And between our various podcast projects, Lauren and I listen to so many podcasts. And this show is a way for us to showcase a few of our favorites in hopes that you'll go and subscribe to them directly. These are the shows that aren't on Apple's top charts, but should be. So... In every episode of Feed the Q, we'll feature an entire episode of a podcast we love. Then stay tuned to the very end, and we'll wrap things up with a few more recommendations. Now, Adela, what podcast are we showcasing today? So today we're featuring the very first episode of a show called It's Nice to Hear You. And I really feel like this is the perfect podcast to feature first for us because it really highlights the power of audio and voice in particular. It's a six-episode series that follows the progression of an audio-only matchmaking experiment. The host, using the nom de plume Eves, sets people up and they communicate solely by exchanging voice memos for 30 days. There are no photos, no names, no pictures, no contact. And throughout the series, we hear how various couples find real connection through voice, voice only. Eventually, we witness the sort of reveal at the end when they meet in real life. But really, for me, the really beautiful part of this series is how the host weaves in her own story into the show. She allows herself to be very vulnerable, and the whole thing feels so intimate. Yeah, and that's exactly what she was going for. She was trying to experiment with the idea of voice unlocking intimacy. And this show, she somehow does three things at once. It's like, yeah, her own personal story, but she brings on experts and scientists to talk about the science of relationships. But then she's also doing this project that almost feels like an audio, like reality dating show, but is a beautiful one uh, without people screaming at each other. (laughs) And I'll never forget when I heard the first episode of this, I found her immediately online and I just emailed her and I said, who are you? Because I thought, who is this person? It's a little mysterious. I knew she lived in my city and I knew that she had left her job in finance when COVID hit and started this podcast. And I wanted to know more about her because I'm so in awe of what she does. And this is a great place to start for Feed the Q. Yeah, I'm really excited. I think she did such a good job. And even though the podcast ended, it was a six-episode series, very bingeable, I would still recommend that everybody go and subscribe because I really don't think this is the last we've heard from her. She is a rock star, and I really am excited to see what she does next. And, you know, because it's serialized, we had to give you episode one, but we think after you hear episode one, you're going to want to go listen to all six ASAP. Right. So before we start, I just want to give a giant thanks to Clever.fm for supporting this season of Feed the Q. Clever.fm is a podcast app, and you can easily find all of the episodes and shows that we're recommending here. And they're also adding really innovative features that allow you to interact with the content that you're listening to, things like taking notes at a specific timestamp. So I just wanted to give them a big thanks. 
And now, here's the episode. Hi, I'm Eves. Eves, middle initial D, last name Roper. I'm 32 years old, single, and I live in New York City. This is a story about what starts out as my quarantine project, an anonymous dating experiment I create based on the exchange of voice memos. Hi, Kay. Hi, <laughs> R. It's really weird to call someone by uh, a letter. To see if the power of voice could deepen connection. I continue to enjoy listening to your recordings on a daily basis. They always calm me down a little bit. Accelerate intimacy. I think three weeks into it, I'm still like a little amazed at how much I do like you. Perhaps even lead to love. Along the way, I unexpectedly became an audio matchmaker. I'm from Canada. Raised by a single mom. Have an older sister. She's my rock. She's my everything. How do you travel as partners when one person makes significantly more than the other? What is your perspective towards polyamory or open relationship? Yeah, that's a, that's a rough topic. Sex. That was the last thing I wrote down. Yeah, lots to say here. The experiment was one month long, but this story is a year in the making. I did not expect this experiment, where I match other people, to change my life so drastically. Okay, here we go. Because I got this big old bag of gummies at home. And I can't even follow And I'm feeling the mad panic. I'm going to have one dinner, guys. I'm about to give to the right person. I'm kind of just winging it. You are listening to It's Nice to Hear You. Stories about human connection told through an anonymous matchmaking experiment. Episode 1. Once Upon a Time. A girl needs a distraction and quarantine. Wednesday, March 18th, 2020. I'm in Manhattan, in Chelsea, a neighborhood in the west side. It's sunny, with a high temperature of 50 degrees outside. But I've been inside, stuck in my one-bedroom apartment for a whole week. Breaking news, stay at home. Get out for some solitary exercise, but stop socializing. Italians have taken to their windows and balconies. I've only ventured outside to buy a thermometer with no success. The only one I could find is a rectal thermometer for babies. I didn't have any symptoms, but I wanted to get one just in case. Now I'm in my apartment self-quarantining, alone. This meant a lot of quality time inside, with my screens, my imaginary golden doodle, and my thoughts. At some point around mid-March, I was laid off. To make a long story short, this was really painful. My job is a big part of my identity. Also, around this time, this thing with this guy I was kind of seeing fizzled. It was one of those millennial dating things. No labels, non-committal. A game of chicken 
where we both just continued on. And on it went for months. This undefined thing. Until one day, there was nothing. Eventually, we stopped talking and just went our separate ways. One thing I will say about him, I'll call him Chester, not his real name, is that from time to time, he sent me these voice memos. I got a haircut. I feel like based on your comments, you kind of wanted my hair to be a little bit shorter. No romantic interest has ever sent me a voice memo. I have friends who frequently send them, but they're sent out of convenience. The voice memos that Chester sent are of a different genre. I liked hearing his voice and, and I felt close to him. These voice memos transported my imagination to a future beyond our game of chicken. Remember what was popular on Netflix before Tiger King? That reality TV dating show. Here, you will choose someone to marry. Love is blind. Nice to hear from you. Can't say see ya. Without ever seeing At this time in early quarantine, it was all the rage. I binge-watched it. There were separate pods of single people. They couldn't see what each other looked like and could only speak to each other through this shared wall between their pods. After a while, people proposed to each other across the wall. As with all reality TV, drama ensues. I was fascinated by how this show exposed the power of voice. People fell in love based on just listening to someone across a wall. After watching it, I kept thinking about how intimate it feels to just hear someone's voice like those voice memos that Chester sent me. I'm used to being alone. No live-in boyfriend, no roommate. I took pride in being independent. But now, my independence dissolved into loneliness. In this state of mind, and with my newfound free time, this voice thing really got to me. I consulted Google and started reading about stuff like voice and intimacy, compatibility based on voice. I learned about how voice is a primal mode of conveying our emotions, how voice analytics can detect human emotion, how algorithms and speech recognition technology is getting better at predicting our behaviors and intentions. I went down some super deep internet rabbit holes Soon enough, I started talking to scientists and professors Hello. about the power of voice in the fields of psychology, sociology, voice it's analytics. Words and understanding the state of mind of the other in the self. I got a little so carried away. When I started reading about how and why we fall in love, one of the top things that came up is this New York Times article. To fall in love with anyone, do this. It talked about this thing called the 36 questions, 
a psychology study from the 90s. Let me see the top here. Hey, there you are. I'm getting used to this new computer. That's Professor Arthur Ahrens. He created so this study. So it paired strangers, all college students at the time, and they took turns answering a series of 36 questions. The purpose was to see if these questions could generate deep connections between strangers. The short answer is yes. And apparently, a pair from this study even fell in love afterwards and got married. So I talked to Professor Aaron to learn about these magical questions. So you've got the questions. I have 36, but I've used those. <laughs> Professor Aaron is in his mid-70s now, and he's been studying interpersonal and romantic relationships for five decades. As a young psychology student, he decided to study the topic of love shortly after he'd fallen for the woman who had become his wife. Professor Aaron's work has been a game changer of understanding how and why we fall in love. We set it up so that it would begin with questions that are not that personal and then move gradually as you get used to going back and forth. It turns out each subsequent question got more and more personal. The last one, number 36 is share a personal problem and ask your partner's advice on how he or she might handle it. Also, ask your partner to reflect back to you on how you seem to be feeling about the problem you've chosen. The research suggested it was important it wasn't just one person talking all the time. It would be back and forth. I think we thought it would make you look into yourself. The key insight I learned is that to develop a deep connection... It is not enough to just disclose vulnerable things about yourself. Your partner needs to reciprocate it as well. And then raise it. But here's the thing. There is so little opportunity for this kind of vulnerability to happen on a dating app. All this other stuff gets in the way. Witty answers about a shower thought that you had recently obsessing over how not to respond too quickly, but still signaling interest. And of course, the pictures, contemplating a group photo for way too long to determine who really is that person you're swiping on. Maybe swiping left on someone just because you don't like their paisley shirt. I was especially bad at this game, and I was tired of dating apps. So I thought, what if I made an alternative? In one of my Googling rabbit holes, I came across research that said we find people with whom we share an emotional connection as more physically attractive. So this made me wonder, what if I reverse the order of how we become attracted to someone? Emotional connection first, then physical attraction. Could that lead to a deeper, more sustainable connection? Basically, the reverse order of online dating. I kept thinking about these voice memos, the ones from Chester. They made me feel so much more connected to him. I wondered, could the power of voice unlock vulnerability? So here's my idea. I'd find strangers who are single, match them, and have them exchange voice memos with each other for 30 days. The twist, they can only hear each other's voices, no pictures, no names, no one would be able to Google each other. Nothing seems normal these days. 
going to the grocery store is an event. I only get dressed to get the mail. I haven't touched anyone in over a month. Nothing requires me to go outside. I go out with no destination in mind, only to preserve my sanity. Under these circumstances, my unconventional dating experiment fit right in. We're all strangers, and we're all alone, living in this once-in-a-lifetime global pandemic. But we're in this together, and we all want to connect. Maybe that's why my participants were game for it. I named my project, It's Nice to Hear You. So I decided to test out my idea. I set up a janky Google form with a few basic questions, like age, city, occupation. The most important one is the last one. What have you learned about yourself in quarantine? This question was required to be answered by uploading a voice recording. A couple friends shared my form on their Instagram. The very next day, on a Thursday afternoon in late March 2020, I received my first response from a total stranger. During quarantine, I've really learned to appreciate just having a few moments by myself. It's nice to be able to take time to pause and reflect on where you are, what you're doing, or what the next thing you need to accomplish might be without interruptions and without you know, any kind of distractions. So it's, while I miss people (laughs) and I miss being around those social environments, this has definitely been a really good reflection period and a chance to kind of learn more about what I appreciate and just value the time to just be quiet and to reflect and to think about who you are and where you're going. So just having to be constantly busy, busy, busy. He just sounded so sincere and familiar. I didn't know anything about his physical appearance, yet I liked him immediately. All of my single female friends wanted to date him. But why? In the animal world, birds and other mammals have long been known to advertise their physical characteristics based on how they sound through their mating calls. This is also true in the human world. Biologically, we find people more attractive because we're drawn to physical traits that signal strong health and reproductive potential. But what about people who sound attractive? Researchers from University College London asked heterosexual women and men to rank a bunch of different voices. High-pitched female voices and deep male voices were deemed the most attractive. Men who have a deep voice and a touch of breathiness, this whispery, murmuring quality, were deemed even more attractive. So somewhere deep in our subconscious, guided by our biology, the way someone sounds may also be influencing who we find attractive. So back to this mystery guy. Maybe subconsciously it was his breathiness that caught our ears. But consciously, I think it was because he showcased feelings. Pretty soon, I got more responses 
The others were equally thoughtful and intimate. So maybe this experiment is going to work. People actually signed up and wanted to meet other people this way. These are real people, not on a reality TV show. Real people in real life. These people who filled out my form are strangers. But when I listened to their messages, it sounded like they're only speaking to me. It transported me, and I felt connected. So, this is how I found my quarantine calling. Being the type A organized matchmaker that I am, I came up with a plan. So, I matched the participants with each other, and they are given the opportunity to exchange voice memos with their match for 30 days. There is no direct communication between the pairs. They send and receive everything through me. They can only communicate with their match by sending voice memos. There are no names. Everyone chooses a letter to ensure that no one can Google each other. There is no disclosure of any personally identifiable information. After receiving my very first response, I spent the better part of April creating a website, improving my application form, and trying to find single people on the internet. There are over 30 million people using dating apps in the U.S., two-thirds of whom are under 45. There is already a loneliness epidemic, and we're all stuck inside now. How hard could it be to persuade some of these lonely single people to participate? I looked for people ages 25 to 45, and I decided on getting 100 singles. I figured this would be enough to buffer for drop-off. 100. A nice, round number. But it turns out, I totally underestimated the challenge of finding single people to participate in an anonymous matchmaking experiment. Lots of things I tried, like Instagram ads, Craigslist posts, got banned. But eventually, I started to receive submissions. I'm an only child. My parents shared custody of me. I was 11. I wound up graduating with a degree in psychology. But I quickly realized... minor in architecture. So fashion was kind of where I I ended up. I had a problem. I had way too many women. This is interesting because on most dating apps, men outnumber women by a lot. The stats are a bit gray depending on the app and geography. But when it comes to the U.S., a conservative estimate is that there is one woman to every three men on most dating apps. At this point, I have about four women for every one man. So I need to find a solution to my problem with men. Story of my life. I posted on Facebook groups like Conscious Listening and Authentic Relating Communities. I tried to catfish guys on my personal dating app profile and maxed out my right swipes until I got banned. It was worth a try. I asked my male friends about what accounts they were following. You open up my Reddit account. Uh, Alphabetically, the first one is 90 Day Fiance. That's a very important one. Aged like wine and aged like milk. I reached out to those accounts to see if they can share my experiment so I can get in front of those elusive men that I need. Let me check out my Instagram accounts. Long Island memes. That's embarrassing. Something that's just called moist cities by the slice. Everything is terrible. 666. A bunch of different slices of pizza. 
I even found someone whose full-time job was to recruit single men for a matchmaking company to help me out. Eventually, I did get 100 people, including single men. But how was I going to get these people to open up, become attracted to each other, and most importantly, let their guard down and become vulnerable? Well, I'd use the obvious methodology, the tried and true one. For their profile, I decided to use the 36 questions. No one will be reading a fill-in-the-blank prompt like, give me travel tips for, don't hate me if, I'm overly competitive about. This is an experiment based on the power of voice, after all. My participants would listen to their match. I wish I had someone with whom I could share adventures in the outdoors. Very simply, my life. To be with someone that I can plan with. Like, you and I are going to go on holiday next year. If you could wake up tomorrow having gained any one ability, what would it be? If I could wake up being able to play the bagpipes, that would be fantastic. I'm learning now. It's hard to learn. And... That would be the number I one. I definitely would love the ability to teleport. I've always dreamed of going to Paris. I studied French in high school and was always waiting for the perfect opportunity. I was actually training for the Paris Marathon that was supposed to take place on April 5th, but because of our global pandemic, that has been postponed. I certainly will go. Guess we shall wait and see. Hear them in their own voice. Okay, here we go. Of all the people in your family, whose death would you find the most disturbing? Ah, this is such a downer question, but I'm doing it. Um, my brothers. He's 21 and a half years old, and we're really close. Um, he has so much to live for, and he's kind of like the apple of everybody's eye. Hear them think out loud. Let's not let that happen. Good vibes to my brother. Stay alive, dude. And hear them laugh. (laughs) I really hope you enjoyed that. Before engaging in any voice memo exchanges, my participants get to first listen to these answers from their matches. On average, they answered 16 out of the 36 questions. A few even answered all 36. They did this without knowing with whom they would be matched. There wasn't even a guarantee that they would be matched with anyone. But my participants were already bought in. They are from all over the country. I grew up in New York City, raised in a small little town in Kentucky. Most of high school, I was bullied. They're PhDs. Went to grad school. Med school was pretty challenging for me. Entrepreneurs. My own public affairs firm. A former model. Singing and acting and modeling. A voiceover actor. My participants have a lot in common. When asked about the things they'd want to share with a partner, many people had the same answers, like a sense of humor and adventure. They also shared frustrations they have about dating apps. Just every experience I've had on a dating app, I just, I hate them. I hate them so much. I don't enjoy anything about the experience. So I really loved the idea of getting to know somebody through their voice and in a more intimate way, which is the complete opposite of today's dating culture. Swiping based on looks, meeting as many people as you can. 
the apps are just super frustrating. Just like the guy from the very first response I received, I felt immediately connected to these strangers. Some shared very personal things in their answers. It wasn't required, but they just went to the deep end immediately. I'm grateful to not be like a married with three kids, 27-year-old who lives in a small town in Maryland. I'm really grateful that I'm not that person. Not to say that that's a bad thing, but you can sort of hear in my voice, like there is an element of judgment there. And, and that's one thing that I wish I didn't have because of the way I can sometimes judge other people who have chosen to live a life path in that way. And I put a lot of pressure on me to live some kind of really interesting, unconventional life. Um, yeah, I think there's pressure to not want to settle in any aspect. And that would mean something really bad about me. If I had a conventional job, if I lived in a conventional place, if I had a conventional relationship. I started to imagine their personality, what they might look like, what their flaws are, and how I might be able to help them find a connection through this experiment. Signing up for my experiment is a lot of work. It takes some time to fill out the form. It takes some openness to consider these questions. And it takes courage to record yourself. I was inspired by their hope. Even though the odds of finding a romantic partner in this way is a super, super long shot, my participants were able to imagine the possibility of a positive outcome. They were optimists. Observing this, it gave me hope too. Dating is draining. Opening yourself up to someone is scary. But the magic of human connection makes it all worthwhile. It is now May 1st, and everything is going according to plan. I have my form with my proven questions, and responses are starting to come in. The weather is great. Every day is at least in the mid-50s. It's finally starting to feel like spring. If this was a rom-com, this soundtrack would play in the background to signal that love is imminent. The camera travels down the streets of Manhattan, past a row of yellow taxis coming down 8th Avenue. It arrives at a panoramic view of Central Park. There is a shot of a female in a trench coat and a beanie that says Thursday, even though it's Friday. It's a good day to start matchmaking. From above, the camera zooms into her. I turn around. Hi, I'm Eves, Eves D. Roper, and I'm ready to play matchmaker. Now, who should I match with whom? Along the way, I found Junon Massius. I transmit energy and bring order to that energy. Junon is an empath and energy healer. She listened to a couple minutes of how each of my participants sounded and gave each person a score for their energy level from 1 to 10, 10 being the highest energy. When it comes to matching romantically, you want to be matched with someone whose level of energy is similar to yours because falling in love, that's on an energetic level. She did this by assessing their breathing patterns. So I'm not listening to what the person is saying. It's kind of irrelevant. 
What I'm listening to is the vibration that is in their voice. When someone is speaking, they give up vibration and my brain automatically compares my vibration to theirs and how different it is. I feel it in my prefrontal lobes. That's when I know who they are. She said most of my participants had good energy, the women more so than men. This is an example of someone she ranked as having an energy level of seven. I don't know if this is necessarily something I would change about how I was raised. Looking back on it, I certainly could have been a better sister growing up. This is an example of someone she ranked as a five. I do not want anyone to tell me what's going to happen. And then there are times when I'm feeling uncertain and I would want to know what is my core purpose in this life. In general, my participants averaged around seven. She cautioned that anyone who ranks below five may not even be ready for a relationship since they need to bring up their own energy level first. Otherwise, they would just bring down their partners and create net energy loss. And of course, no one wants that. I guess some people are just not fit to be in a relationship until they're at a certain level of energy, maturity, success, clarity, or whatever you want to call it. I wanted to ask her what she thought my energy level was based on talking to me. But I decided against it. In the end, I matched my participants like how I would set up my friends. I listened for things like shared interests, values. I tried to pair people who are in the same geography and age range together. When people had the same answers, I took notice. For example, I match this pair together. Someone who's also active. Has an active lifestyle. I'll call them Brian and Isabel, and you'll meet them in the next episode. Brian is an extroverted and sensitive naval officer with a love for Montana. Isabel is a compassionate girl who lives an active lifestyle and looking for a free-spirited guy to go on hiking trips with. They're both in their late 20s and love being active do stuff outdoors, work out, go hiking and go for a run. Going for a walk or taking a hike, being an athlete as a kid through college. And now it's just something that I'll never grow out of. Something that I really enjoy. I only provided my participants with a couple matches at a time. Unlike dating apps, I don't want them to feel like there's an endless amount of options. Too much choice can be paralyzing. I nudged all of my participants to give each match a shot. Everyone deserves to be heard. When I listen to these profiles, there's something memorable in each voice. I gravitated towards these individuals, and I'm so grateful that they took time to share their voice with me. I hope to find a good match for everyone, that they would be treated kindly and with respect. Once I decided on a match, One person in the pair receives an email from me. Subject. Meet your match. The email body said, Thank you for your patience as I listen to your profile. Based on what you shared, I'm thrilled to introduce you to your match. G. A yogi with a kind heart who's a jack of all trades. R. Sensitive and introspective Canadian with a playful side. K. Explorer who views the world through the lens of curiosity, looking for someone to share the wonders of what all goes on inside her mind. I will continue to send along new matches to you, but I ask that you have at least a couple of exchanges. 
Click here to listen to your match. So back to our rom-com. This is how our story would continue. Against all odds, a lucky pair that Eve's D. Roper matches falls in love, sight unseen, and lives happily ever after. Of course they would both happen to be super attractive and not realize it. Someone like Joseph Gordon-Levitt would play the guy and Florence Pugh might play the girl. Eves would attend their wedding and remain lifelong friends with the couple. In the process of creating this experiment, Eves discovers the secret to how to fall in love. She realizes that she made a mistake and goes back to the man that inspired this experiment in the first place, Chester. One evening, Eves shows up on his street, stands in front of his apartment. Of course it would be raining and she wouldn't have an umbrella. In the rain, on the street, she declares her undying love. He confesses his undying love and then they live happily ever after. This is not how our story unfolds. That's not even the sound of real rain. That's the sound of bacon frying. Although romance does surface in our story, you're not listening to a rom-com. I'm about to tell you something. Something that my participants don't even know. I'm Eves. And I'm also Heather. Hi. I'm a fan of stripes, an enthusiastic hobbyist, consumer of culture, and seeker of connection. Fan of the Container Store and Dutch Golden Age paintings, especially Vermeer. In real life, Heather is my real name. In my experiment, my participants knew me as Eves D. Roper, a gender-neutral, objective listener, compulsive researcher, and obsessive learner. Exchanging voice memos with a stranger is already awkward, but knowing that another stranger is listening to all of it is even more awkward. I wanted my participants to feel heard and not judged. I didn't want them to know that a real person with biases and opinions is listening. I asked them to be anonymous with each other, no names, no Googling, so I guess it's fair that the same roles apply to me as well. Eves is Heather's alter ego, chief listening officer and matchmaker. My participants knew that Eves is always listening, but they didn't know that Heather is sometimes eavesdropping. The king asked, what is the hardest thing to look at? And the rabbi said, a mirror. We all want to be seen, but when was the last time we truly saw ourselves? Through Eve's, Heather did get to see. It's Thursday, March 18th, 2021. One year ago, I created this experiment because I needed something to occupy my time. I continued because I wanted to learn, learn how to get better at dating, learn how to create a podcast learn how to create something from nothing. I did learn those things, but 
also a whole lot more. In my participants, I observed communication, partnership, and emotions. And then I learned how to listen. I reflected on my relationships. I faced my feelings. I started to see myself, and it changed my life. Now I'm one year older. I'm 33 years old. No longer in New York City. We're strangers. If we passed each other on the street, you wouldn't be able to pick out who I am. By the end of the series, a total of six episodes, you still won't be able to do that. But you might get to know me a fair amount. You'll hear about my dating life. I'll share things that friends who have known me for years don't know. You might imagine what I look like. And picture that version of me. You might start to understand me. All of that will happen with just the power of my voice. Thanks for listening to episode one. Right off the bat, super impressed with your profile. Next time, our first pair, Brian and Isabel. Heather learns a lesson on compatibility.、Um, Very excited to interact with you on a different level. You're probably not who I would typically pick for myself. That is all for now. Thanks for listening, and talk to you soon. Bye. For more information, check out at It's Nice to Hear You on Instagram and It's Nice to Hear You dot com. There's tons of additional information there about the experiment, participants, and you can also sign up to be notified about our next experiment. If you like what you heard in this episode, please subscribe. It really helps other people discover this show. It's Nice to Hear You is written and produced by me, Heather Lee. I'm so deeply grateful to all of my participants for taking a leap of faith, trusting the process, and sharing your voices in this experiment. In the creation of this podcast, I've benefited so much from the generosity of so many experts along the way. This is my first podcast, and I now realize it definitely takes a village to create one. This story would not have been written without all of my wonderful editors. I cannot thank you guys enough for your patience, your wisdom, and your friendship. Story consulting and editing by Katya Stepanov and Jesse Carey, co-founders of Rebus Experiences. Editing by me, Camila Kerwin, with the Rough Cut Collective. Story editing by Max Miller. Additional story consulting on this episode by Stephanie Fu. Sound design by myself and Morgan Fuse, who also mixed and mastered this entire series. Brand identity by Jen Ang, website design by Lizzie Jolson. A special thanks to my new podcast friends, including Corey Choi, John Delore, Joe Hazan, Kathy Russo, Tony Deck, Kevin Chang Barnum, and Justin Shell for such wonderful feedback along the way. Thank you also to Kyle Zamchak of Listenly, Steve Dean of Online Dating Consultancy Date Working, Professor Arthur Aaron, Junon Masias, Relationship Coaches Molly Godfrey and Nick Sparks, and countless other coaches and matchmakers and scientists that I didn't name. 
I would be remiss to not mention my dear friends Rachel Schechtman, Denise Yoon, and Megan Baldwin for encouraging this idea from the very beginning, listening to my ramblings, my early, early versions, multiple final versions, and everything in between. The sponsor for this podcast is Behavioral Signals, a leader in emotional artificial intelligence and speech recognition technology. Behavioral Signals is bridging the communication gap between humans and machines and enables businesses to add emotion and behavioral recognition to a range of use cases, including enhancing customer satisfaction of call center operations and increasing sales conversion by predicting the intent of customers based on the company's real-time emotion recognition technology. In the following episodes, you will hear a small sample of the emotion recognition insights gathered from a review of all of my participants' voice memos. This was done in partnership with the company's chief technology officer, Alex Potamianos, for whom I'm so deeply grateful. For more information about Behavioral Signals, check out their website, behavioralsignals.com. And thank you for listening. All right, bye for real this time. And we're back. So what'd you think? We hope you liked it. And if you did, please go do two things right now. Subscribe to It's Nice to Hear You wherever you get podcasts. And then let us know you subscribed. We want to know. And we're going to include all the links to subscribe and ways to get in touch with us in the show notes. Right. So now let's dish about some extra podcast love. Lauren, what do you want to shout out? Well, in every issue of Podcast the Newsletter, I have a segment called If You Only Have Time for One Thing. And this week, I recommended a new podcast from Molly Lambert called Heidi World. And Molly used to be the host of this podcast called Night Call that I really loved. And it felt very special. It was like this special weird place that talked about the internet and dark things. And I always felt like I was like, driving on a lone road trip across America in the middle of the country, picking up weird radio stations. It was a great show. Anyway, that show ended. I was sad. Molly's back with Heidi World. And it's a look at Heidi Fleiss, who rose to become that like Hollywood madam in the early 90s and all the trouble that she got into. And it's totally not like, you must remember this, but if you like like Hollywood, you know, history, you know, all this like dishiness and campiness and all these strange players. And then Molly is an LA girl too. So it's coming from like a really genuine place. I'm just excited to see what Molly does. So go listen to Heidi World. One word. And go and subscribe to podcast the newsletter. We'll include a link to that in the show notes. Thank you. Of course. So this month, I want to just highlight what we're doing with Podcast Brunch Club, which as I mentioned, every month, We put out a podcast newsletter and a podcast playlist on a theme. So the theme this month is democracy. And we included five episodes. I'm not going to go through all of them, but I'll call out one of them in particular. So we're listening to a Radiolab episode, Overheard at National Geographic, Democracy Decoded, Analysis, and Seen on Radio. And I just wanted to call out Seen on Radio because... The episode's called Schooled for Democracy. And first of all, Seen on Radio is just such a great show. They do seasons on different sort of 
societal constructs. So they've done a whole season on men. They've done a whole season on whiteness. They've done a whole season on democracy. And so this episode in particular, we hear about how children learn about democracy, but don't actually get to practice it in schools and what a more engaged brand of civics education would look like. And this is really, it's really nicely done. They go into a school that's doing things differently and you get to hear the kids interact with democracy. And it's just, I just love it. And I just think Seen on Radio is just one of those shows that is really well done. Seen on Radio had a series about religion and the environment with Amy Westervelt that almost blew my brain to bits. Amy Westervelt is a rock star. Everything she does. But then the combination of her and Seen on Radio and religion and the environment, it's oh my God. too much. It's too much. Ugh. Right. Ugh. Okay. What do you want people to listen to? If you are absolutely loving a podcast that you want more people to know about, let us know. You can email us at feedtheq at gmail.com. That's F-E-E-D-T-H-E-Q-U-E-U-E at gmail.com. Or reach out on social. All the links are in the show notes. And remember, the best recommendations come from the fans. Thanks and happy listening. And we'll see you next week. Bye.